Hello, hello, and welcome to the Finding the Unicorn in You podcast. I'm Dr. Jaime G. Ragoza, a life coach, psychologist, and your host. Join me on a journey to inspire and transform ordinary lives into something special. Here, we celebrate the unicorns, those who choose not to follow the ordinary conventional path, but rather chase after their dreams and choose the path less taken, making them truly unique. Together, we'll explore powerful life coaching techniques and hear from special guests who embody the spirit of unicorns in their own way. What are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Finding the Unicorn in You. Today, I have an individual who is the author of the book Connecting, based on his MA research, available in Hebrew for now, founder and owner of DNI 360, a multi-section sectorial LGBTQ diversity and inclusion working to bridge the heterosexual and the LGBT community together. He also facilitates resource groups and organizations focusing on LGBT topics and has a safe space training also available. I'll let him talk a little bit more about himself and the work that he does. So without further ado, help me in welcoming Moshe Khajaj. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm really glad and I got really excited. So for listeners, I actually met Moshe through LinkedIn. I was like scrolling and then I saw one of his posts and I started, I got really captivated in the work that he does. Moshe, what kind of inspired you to do the work that you do? So I can't pinpoint the exact moment that I knew that I want to be a a gay professional because this is who I am. This is what I do. But I think that for like when I grew up, not knowing that are other LGBT people, I grew up in the 90s. In the 90s, I came out. I was 14 when I came out. And when you grow up, you're always looking for a role model. You're always looking for someone to be, to like to look up to, but also not like, a teacher or a parent, but someone to be resembling you in some ways. And I, I didn't find it. Like I, I didn't have it growing up. And I think that a lot of time in Israel, in the Jewish communities, you have this notion that being queer, being LGBTQIA, it's not always good. It's frowned upon. And you put it like in your red bag, you put it in a closet, even when you came, when you come out, you still put it in a closet. And then this is your life. You have your life. You need to behave a certain way. You need to be a certain, in a certain way. But being LGBT is always like sexual uh, connected. And growing up, I realized that I need to be a voice for young people, for teenagers, for children that are struggling with their gender identity and so on. And it took me years and years to find out what I really want to do. And I think a year and a half ago, I decided to start my company, which is DNI360. DNI uh, is diversity and inclusion, uh, and I work as a facilitator in order to bring all the knowledge, uh, academic knowledge and knowledge from, we call it the field in academia, uh, to people that work with people. 
educators, HR, managers, police, military, everyone that works with people has a high probability to work with LGBT people. And when you work with LGBT people and you notice them and you give them what they need, they, they are better uh, humans, they're better workers, they're better students because they know that they can bring themselves, the true, their true selves into whatever they do. And then the results are even better. So this is what I do. That is amazing. And I love that. And it's a very needed topic. I feel that it's people like you that are pushing our generation forward, are being open into basically creating more inclusive and more diverse workplace. And I feel a lot of organizations say, I want more DNI, I want to be more inclusive, but they do very mac micro level things that are not even moving like the organization closer to D to be a more diverse and inclusive, but it's but they do it so that they can just put a label under their business that they are. So what have been some challenges as you've been working with businesses and changing that mindset to be more inclusive? When it comes to the LGBT community, people are always afraid either to say the wrong thing or to hurt the feelings of other groups in the workplace. For example, in Israel, we have, of course, the LGBT community, but we also have an Arab community or a religious Jewish communities. And more than often, you, when you go to work, you see those other people. But when you come across people like their the religion or their culture, it's something that is acceptable. And as I mentioned, being gay is, okay, you are gay, but it's only one part of you. What are the other parts? Why won't you bring the other parts and leave the LGBT out? And those two things, the fear of saying the wrong thing and trying to spare the feelings of others is the main challenge. When I come to talk to people, to HR, to manager, and so on, I tell them, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to say the wrong thing. It's okay uh, to ask uh, questions like what you're curious about, but just know who is your resource person to ask them that and be open to know that some people will say this is not okay to ask and accept that. Accept that it's a very simple thing to do. You have to be humble. The, the fact that you're in power, HR, manager, whatever, doesn't mean that you have to be right all the time. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are afraid of being labeled a racist or being labeled like homophobic or these really big terms that may not really apply to them just because they made an honest, simple mistake. And it can be cr quickly corrected as, I'm sorry, I did not know that was offensive. Let me retract that and let me never do that again. It could be a learning opportunity, but a lot of people are afraid to even put themselves out there to try to connect with people who are different from them to even start learning. And I think even people like POCs, people of color, people in the LGBT community, we still have a lot of work to do. Just because we're part of the community doesn't mean that we're um, vulner invulnerable to those things, too. So we can also right. be. I've known several other people who are LGBT who are racist. I've known other people who are people of color who are homophobic. So we can 
it doesn't exclude a certain race, a certain ethnicity. We all have to try to work together to really push these thoughts in this community and bring everybody together. I agree. I also think that us as a generation in this day and age, when we think about PC, what is PC? It became this instant thing, a label that you're not supposed to say anything because if you say the wrong thing, you will damage something. And when Bell Hooks talks about PC, used to talk about PC, she said that PC needs to be or was supposed to be a bridge between cultures. It's not that you're not supposed to ask questions. You have to ask questions. You must ask questions. The question is how you do it. To be humble, like we all have to be humble. Media, especially social media, talk Instagram and so on. People are so quick either to judge or to cancel. So I think that asking question is right thing to do and if you don't know how to ask a question you can ask so if you ask the question you and if you don't know how to ask a question ask your research person for example your consultant how can i ask questions how can i approach such and such in order to get all the information and this is what we need to put the emphasis on I think so. And I I completely agree. I think we need to start really consulting people who have research, done their job. They've really educated themselves in this field study, not just, it's not bad for you to do a Google search, but sometimes uh, these articles can be a little stereotypical and a little biased and may not give you the most accurate information. So it is best to ask professionals like yourself to that have done the, the work and avoid embarrassment and void of doing the wrong things right and also culture you can read you can open an encyclopedia wikipedia whatever is comfortable for you and read that's okay reading is perfect but culture has a tendency change if a culture doesn't change a culture is dead so when you ask questions or when you investigate a culture you find out more things you find out that how complex life is for example genders do you know how many genders there are as many as possible it's perfect as many genders that we have is better and but another conversation but why am i saying it i'm saying it because people are wanting to know the names of the genders and i always say The name of the gender does not matter. When you talk to someone and they tell you, oh, identify as bi-gender, two-spirit, whatever they want to identify as, be humble. Ask the correct questions. What does it mean? If you never came across a person of a, a, a different gender, ask them. You can ask them. They will be happy to provide you with information. I completely agree. And it's better to ask than to assume. So if you're unclear when you're approaching someone, like I've come into that situation where I've had family members who have transitioned and I did not know how to talk to them. I just said, hey, 
I noticed something's different. It looks like you're presenting yourself a little bit different than what I'm used to. So has anything changed? Do you still go by the same pronouns? Do you still identify the same way? Like, how would you like me to refer to you so that I am respectful? And then they usually we have a very earnest and honest conversation. Be like, thanks for asking. I, I go by they, them now. I'm non, I go as non-conforming. And I was like, okay, perfect. So, you know, let's move on. It doesn't, you don't have to obsess over it. You don't have to keep bringing it back. It's cool. You, you tackled the, the curiosity. Now move forward. The notion of safe space, people think that a safe space is usually this place that you go to, an LGBT community center, a workplace, the room of the HR, the room of a consultant in your school, whatever, like they, they look for a certain place to go into. And what you're talking about is how can I manifest myself as a safe space? How can I be there for people to have this conversation, an ongoing conversation, an everlasting conversation, and have people know that they can come and talk to me? They know that I'm human. They know that I will make mistakes, but they know that they can talk to me. They know that they can come to me and tell me without waiting for someone to come and ask them. They can facilitate me as their uh, brand, as their safe space, and use me to be a voice in their world. So this yeah. is very important also. And it's very important to get people like you who are in this field, because some agencies, like for myself, I've been called the token diverse like personnel because I'm Hispanic and I'm gay. And then not only that, I'm also neurodivergent because I have ADHD. So my like okay. HR... <laughs> yeah like squirrel everywhere but it's hard because like i had a previous boss who told me you should start dni club because you're the most diverse person here and i was like why is it my responsibility to to do that hire a professional who can implement proper rules like i'm not the most educated person on the topic yes i'm aware you know of some things but I also can make mistakes. So it's unfair to put a certain employee who you consider diverse or different than everybody else and make it their responsibility to do it. Right. So really hire professionals or hire a position, of a person who is a professional in that position to change it. And this is so indicative to the issue that we're talking about for a manager or managerial position to come to someone that work in their organization and say, okay, I know that we're open enough. I want you to be the delegate of DNI stuff here in our workplace. And okay, we need resources in order to do that. It's not just like gathering everyone and starting talking about it. To start talking about the situation is very good. What do you do about it? This is a different thing. Yes. And there has to be institutional change. It can't just be at service level. You need to really let the roots sink in into the organization and start shifting things around right. from the hiring, the orientation to the regular day by day, like operational um, policies. Some of those may not be up to par with DNI. <laughs> right. And, and sometimes I bring that up. I had a very simple conversation with my HR recently on the dress code. There was all these restrictions for women and then two restrictions for men. And I was just like, okay, so why, who created this? And why is some of these restrictions don't make sense? 
and it's not even like it's unprofessional. So let's really tackle this and see, are we being, are we really attacking the female gender here? Because some of these oppressors is, is these limitations on what people can wear. You don't know the social economic status. You don't know anything else that, you know, you're really putting them down from excelling in the workplace. It's good to have those little sections where you're looking around the organization, what can actually be changed internally. I think that the thing that surprises most of organizations is when I talk about uh, ads of job openings, how it's written, how it's the visuals, what do I see in the ad, uh, who does it, Hebrew, as, like other languages, is very gendered. You have female, you have male. We used to have like most of the uh, ads being in male presenting. And then uh, in the bottom, they would say uh, we refer to female and male. No, we don't refer to female and male. We refer to all genders. I don't care about your sex, what you assigned it. I care that everyone will be included in the ad. So this is a very fine work that we have to go into details and understand the culture around that issue. And then more people, more diverse people will feel uh, more welcome to answer those openings. Yeah, you're right. And I even in me mentioning that whole gender dress code, I didn't even think about like people who don't identify in those two binaries. So that's already oppressor of discriminating and not really taking into them account because, yeah, like even during interviews, sometimes like I work in the helping field in the service, direct service field. So we usually say it's a female dominated industry. But even then, just by saying that <laughs> you're excluding people who may be transgender, non-gender conforming and who are maybe interested in the industry. So you, we really have to pay attention to these little finite details. Good. I'm glad I got you to think about <laughs> genders and misgendering and oppression because oppression is, is very harsh word. When I tell someone that they're privileged, they will be like, how dare you? Oh, I dare. I dare. Own your privileges. It's good to be privileged. If you use your privileges in order to help others, you're, I won't say a saint, but you're on your good path to heaven for those who believe in heaven. But own your privileges. Use those privileges to help others. Yeah, and it's funny that you say that because a lot of people do get insulted when you say oh, you're privileged. And I was like, <laughs> everybody has a certain privilege. Even though I'm two minority, like technically three minorities, I'm still privileged that I'm a male. So I have that privilege and might as well use it to try to like change what I can while I'm here. So like you said, we have certain privileges. We have to acknowledge that, but use it for good, not just take advantage of the industry or the situation. Right. That's don't let, sorry, don't let your privileges paralyze you. You, when you own your privileges, you can work towards social change. This is very simple. The fact that you're educated is a privilege. What do you do about this privilege? You invite me to talk about restructuring social uh, culture in the workplace. 
this is using your privilege. You have a voice and you can give voice to others because you have this platform. Everything that we, we do is helping, making our society better in, in some sense. I completely agree. And like you said, we have to keep put, paving the road for other people who may not have those privileges and just trying to move the society forward while we can. Because if we don't do it, who else is going to do it? Right. Now, I do want to shift gears a little bit. You wrote a very, in, you did very interesting study for your research and you wrote a book. So what, let's talk a little bit about that and then what you learned from it. So basically my book, Connecting, deals with the question of gay clubs and platonic friendships. When you go and you search all the research that has been done on gay clubs, you only find it's about sex, STDs, STIs, and drugs. As a semi-optimistic person, I I thought to myself that there must be more to clubs than just TIs and drugs and sticks. And I remember having conversation, a conversation with a friend of mine that he used to be very muscular and he told me he wanted to reduce muscles to be just a bit leaner because he's switching have house music and, and he wanted to move from techno to house and he decided to change his uh, gym routine and I was like why would you do that and he said because there are uh, routines that you have to have in order for you to belong to that circle like norms and so on so I started going out to clubs I'm not a clubber, but for two years, I studied clubs. I went to three parties and I talked to a lot of people, interviewing people. And I found amazing findings. One of them being how we treat sex or what is the meaning of gay sex. In the heterosexual world, sex you do when you're a partner. Or a one, one, one night thing, let's say if you do it at night, one night thing, and that's it. There's no being a, a straight guy or heterosexual guy and a heterosexual girl, and you get together from time to time and you have sex, and, but you're also friends. In gay culture, sex is also a way to communicate. One of the interview interviewees told me that he went to, he likes to go to the sauna, but he likes to observe. He doesn't, not every time that he goes to the sauna, he likes to engage in sexual um, manners. And he told me that two of his closest friends today are people that he met in the sauna because he looked at them. One of them he hooked up with, they said, that they didn't have this sexual connection. They didn't have the romantic connection, but sex had them become friends. So this is like mind blowing. And I think that what I learned from this research is that you have to look at, at the certain culture and ask questions and see what other, what are the merits that this culture can bring to the table. I, I spoke a little bit about sex because sex is very, it's very 
very curious or very people are very into listening or but you also learn a group and come together around rules and norms that are very different from the mainstream. When I want to go to a party, what do I do? Do I have to dress a certain way? Do I have to look a certain way? Uh, if I go by myself, what does it mean that I go by myself? Stand outside in the line waiting. Am I alone? What is my body telling me when I do? Am I nervous? How do I deal with this nervousness? When I go into the club, what's happening to my body and what's happening with the other people at the party? Do I dare to look at people? Do I dare to start a conversation inside the party? Am I on drugs? Am I not on drugs? What can I facilitate in my environment to help me feel at ease in a party? The notion of a party, people think about the music and alcohol and having fun. Imagine a party. You are like happy and laughing with your friends. But what happens when it's your first time? And not only the first time when you're a, a gay person in your first party and you don't know anyone else. Dress from the inside. And I dedicated this book to every person that never felt like they really belong somewhere. As I mentioned when I was younger, like the feeling that you're not really, I don't really belong. I belong, but I'm different. And every time we go to a different phase in our life, you go to do your BA, you start your first job, but just the start of your career. How does it make you feel? What does your difference or differences that you still hold in your head as a gay boy, as a whatever, lesbian, a transgender, bi, and so on, but you hold in your mind and in your uh, set of beliefs that your difference makes a difference in the eyes of others. Like something is unacceptable. When I want to go to find a new job, I want that the manager that interviews me or the HR or the acquisition, recruiter, whatever, will have symbols, will, will signal me that they're LGBT uh, accepting that they're fine with me. Let me pass through this route into the world, whatever it will be. Yes, a master's, PhD, workplace, and you move to a new city, you have to go and like to the bank or to the authority, authorities uh, to sign on stuff. I want to feel comfortable in my own skin and not be afraid that I will be outed, I will be uh, victimized somehow or be uh, have homophobic remarks towards me, which hurts the most. Like our souls are so strong because we've been through so much, but it's so fragile at the same time. Yeah, so it's... the book goes, I know it's not everything is in the book, but the book holds or the research holds 
everything in it, the feeling different and the wish to belong and how we do it. I love that. And it's very needed. I just, I'm trying to recall my first time going to a club and it was very awkward. Uh, I went in a silk shirt, button up with a tie and silk, like I was going to a job interview essentially. And I had a drag queen come up to me and being like, I think this is your first time, huh? And I was like, yeah. And yeah, I had a wonderful conversation and I went by myself and it made it less scary. But it it is hard putting yourself out there. Some people won't even try to do that because one, they may still be in the closet. They may be curious or they are come to, they came to terms of who they are. But it's still a scary thought because what if they don't like me? Like some of us barely, barely like ourselves and want that external validation from our community. But sometimes the community can be rough, especially if you go out there and you and you don't know what to do or how to socialize and be socially awkward, it can be really rough. So when you have agents change, especially inside the community, the community, all in all, we are very noisy and we have a pride month and like all over the Western world. But when you like, Take everything aside and look at the community. We're a very small community. In Israel, we are a very small community. And at the end of the day, we will all meet everyone at some point. And we have to make sure that our peers, our colleagues, our uh, friends, our acquaintance, uh, our people that we recognize as LGBTQIA plus people around us will feel comfortable and the same goes for clubs you just want to go and have fun you want to leave your everyday mundane world behind you when you go into a club when you go into a bar and you just want to have fun you want to meet people not just for sex not just for dating but to know that this little boy that didn't yet come out of the closet knows that there there are other people like him in this world. Yeah, and it it doesn't take a lot to be kind. And if you've noticed, I've done it before, where I'm at the club or I'm at a bar just drinking or talking with friends and I see somebody in a corner by themselves just observing and they feel awkward. I go up and I'm like, hey, my name's Jaime. How are you? Are you here by yourself? What's going on? Do you want to join me and my friends? Or if I'm by myself, do you mind if I just join you and have a conversation? And make it a little bit more welcoming for them because you don't want to deter them for the future. And you never know, maybe you can actually make a really good connection there and become friends and you have another friend that you can talk to. Right. It's very important for me to be, to try. And it's an effort. I have to say it's an effort uh, to go out when you want to forget about everything and you're just going out for a beer or in my case, coffee. When you go out, you want to forget everything. And then you have to be in this mindset that you're not alone. We are only, and you have to be kind and you have to be aware that some people aren't comfortable yet. And this is our job to do that. So I will continue preaching to everyone that is listening, will listen, wants to listen. 
kindness goes a very long way. Yes. And I have to agree with you a thousand percent. And like just your whole book and your research and everything you've shared with us today, it is super, super important. Like I have clients and people that I've worked with that say, I don't have any friends or I don't have any gay friends or I don't I don't have anybody that relates to me. But then when I ask, what are you doing when you go out? Like you said, are you going out and just trying to stay in your tunnel vision? Because if so, no wonder you don't have friends. You have to try to socialize in order for you to become like have friends. So next time you go to that coffee shop, instead of sitting there in that corner by yourself, maybe try talking to someone, maybe try talking to the barista or making conversation and be open to possibilities. And like you said, it doesn't hurt or it doesn't cost you anything just to be nice and kindness Giving kindness, even if it comes out with nothing, at least you made somebody's day and you paid it forward a little bit. I agree. Now, we talked about a lot of big topics today. So overall, if you want someone to listen to this podcast, what is one thing you want them to leave with? Never assume. Ask questions. A question mark can be our best friend. Don't believe everything that goes on, media, social media. Uh, leave your uh, prior notions at home and come to a social gathering. Work at a social gathering. Every place that you go when you meet a person is a social gathering. Come with a question mark. Be humble enough to know that you don't know everything. Ask questions. Make people feel appreciated and appreciate the conversation that you're able to have. I completely love that. And it's important because like you said, if we want to be the winner of the argument or if we want to always be the one that's right, you're not being open to listening and to really hearing what the other person has to say. and. Life is not about winners and losers and trying to assert dominance or it's about trying to connect, trying to really be vulnerable with each other and learn about each other. Like, what can we how can we have a conversation and making meaningful, whether creating an experience, a memory or a connection that you never know where it could lead you? You just have to be open to all of these possibilities. It's very important in a in a Western world, when everyone is a capitalist, money, did they win? If you want, or if you're insisting on looking like what I gain from everything, what I, what are my wins? Make a friend. This is the best win that you can do for a lifetime. Make friends. Enrich your lives. What's better than like meeting other people? Completely agree. And I think that's what really creates, at least for me, like me, there's a richness and experience in life and memories and making connections and networking because you never feel you always have someone you can connect and talk to. And for me, it's always nice that even if I go into a room where I don't know anyone, you just never know who you can bump into, who knows a person that, you know, just because you were open to the experience that has happened to me so many times where I just meet a random stranger. And it's like you said, it's a small world. They're like, oh, you're so-and-so's brother. Or, or you're, I didn't know you worked for this person. And it's just like, yeah, it's a really right. small world. And 
don't go to this to those titles a meaningful connection a world changing life changing connection no just a connection a, without meaningful without life altering connection just connect to people be simple be humble like life is precious as it is connect with people yes i agree a thousand percent now for my last question which is the whole premise of the podcast. Let's talk about unicorns. So if a person wants to be a unicorn in the DNI world and really make a push forward to actually be more inclusive and bring diversity in their personal lives or at work, what is one thing they can do to start that process? Observe, open your eyes, see or try to identify gaps. This is what I did with my book. My research, this is what I did with my job. This is what I did as working as a gay professional in all the NGOs that I worked at in my previous life. When you absorb the world, your eyes are opening. They are literally and intellectually opening. You can see the needs of other people. You, we don't, this is a TikTok and everything. People are very used to talking, speaking, language. Nah. Shut up and listen. Open your eyes and you will see what bother people. What is the one thing that people need in your environment? Use that to change the life of people and it will for sure, change your own life. Yes. And I think a lot of us tend to assume what other people need, what their wants are, but we fail to ask because we don't observe. It's a it's a very true way. I agree with that. Because after you observe, you don't go and make the change. You ask people, I saw that such and such happened. What, how did it feel? Do you want me to do something about it? Are you planning to do something about it? Don't be this poster boy of change, or poster girl, poster, poster person of a change. But ask people. You don't know what's going on in their mind. Some people will be extra shy or won't uh, be able or won't, won't pursue this change because they're shy. Because something has happened, because someone asked, start a conversation, but open your eyes first. I completely agree. Moshe, this has been such a good conversation. I can probably keep going and going, but we are running out of time. So if someone wants to purchase your book or get in contact with you, how can they do? Uh, my book is available only in Hebrew for now. If you're a publication, an international publication, and you want to talk to me, you can reach me at LinkedIn, Moshe Balnatan Kajaj on LinkedIn or DNI360 on Facebook, DNI.360 on Instagram. Feel free to follow, connect, ask questions. Ask. This is the most important thing. I do global, I do a local, whatever. Ask questions, get in touch, and we can go from there. I love that. And for listeners, I will be posting all of this in the show notes. And if you go to my website at regoza-consulting.com, 
you click the Unicorn Wall of Fame, you'll see Moshe on there with a lovely picture and his bio and everything he talked about on this podcast with all the links. Quick reminders for everyone, episodes come out every Friday at 7 a.m. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Moshe, thank you so much for this conversation. I've loved it. I'm probably going to bring you back on to, to share more knowledge. For having me. Of course. <laughs> and until next time, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Finding the Unicorn in You podcast. I truly appreciate you listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode and gained valuable insights. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite platform. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep growing. Until next time, this is Dr. Jaime G. Ragoza signing off.